Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. As I am flying solo on a Monday night, I record this. You listen on a Tuesday morning, afternoon, whenever you might be tuning in. But we are talking NFL draft today as the draft is all of... 72 hours away, just about, as I record this on Monday evening. I guess 73 to be exact, as I record on Monday evening at 7 o'clock Eastern time right now. It gets started on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock Eastern. Of course, Jacksonville holding that first pick, and we all are ready for Trevor Lawrence's name to be called and the formalities to be taken care of with when it comes to the Clemson product heading down there to Duval and Zach Wilson thoroughly expected to go number two to the New York Jets and we're going to talk a little bit about just gambling with the NFL draft and I'll give a few little flyers that I think are worth taking a shot on uh, and that's kind of what I want to do to start the podcast and then we'll get to an interview later that we recorded with J.P. Finley, the Midday host at 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C. So, be about a 30-minute pod. Uh, just some quick information. Not a ton of picks here on the pod today, uh, but certainly hope you'll bear with us. I just want to start by saying that every year when it comes to the draft, 
there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it from a gambling perspective. On one hand, you know, you can say, well, how do the books know any better than I do, right? I mean, they got to hang numbers on certain lines and, and do certain props accordingly, depending on the latest news that they get. But they're privy to the same information that we are. You know, so I, I certainly understand that line of thinking, right? And when it comes to actually handicapping games, yeah, there's oftentimes advanced metrics and things that bookmakers and professional bettors are looking at that your recreational better might not be in tune with. But what's the separator when it comes to a draft, right? Obviously, books are going to take action. But where is their edge? And... What kind of intel do they have? What kind of inside information do certain bookmakers have access to? Obviously, you can't quantify that. And so I think that's one thing that every year can kind of be hard to forecast. And I think the big thing that I want to get at with this particular draft and JP talked about it a lot in the interview we'll run with him. What's going to happen at number three? What is going to happen with the San Francisco 49ers? Who is it that they're taking, right? We know it's a quarterback because you're not going to trade up from number three, from number 12 all the way to number three when Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback and not take a quarterback. I mean, it's an aggressive move. So we know it's a quarterback, but... Is it Matt Jones? Is it Trey Lance? Those are the two that are getting the buzz right now. Or could it still be Justin Fields? And is this an excellent smokescreen by John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan? And it's funny, in, in this day and age, we sit here Monday night, April 26th. Maybe there's more information by the time you guys listen on Tuesday. But... I don't think we can say with much certainty at all who it's going to be. And I feel like at the top of the draft in particular, especially at this position, it's hard to put that kind of smokescreen out and actually have it go all the way to the draft. Because we know that it's going to be Lawrence, and we know that it's going to be Wilson. And... Well, you might have those two rated as the top two quarterbacks anyway and strip the teams out of it for a second. Once you see a team come up nine picks like the 49ers did, you would think, and I think they probably have the whole time, had one player in mind. But in this media landscape, to keep that under wraps for as long as they have, I think is pretty impressive in its own right, even though I know you don't get... Brownie points for that. I just think it's interesting. So, what is going to happen at number three? What is going to happen at number four? Atlanta. Are they going to say, you know what? We're not going to be picking this high again. At least we hope not for a long time. Let's get the heir apparent to Matt Ryan. Because whoever San Francisco selects, there's going to be two more first-round quarterbacks waiting for potentially Atlanta to select at number four. You have a new head coach in Arthur Smith. So, 
what is going on in that war room. And when it again, when it comes to a gambling perspective, I think where you want to try and take some chances is just to throw a few darts, take some flyers. Weird things happen. We don't know any better than anyone else. At least I am of that mindset, like I mentioned, that bookmakers might be getting certain tidbits, but ultimately they're hanging numbers, and the large majority of them aren't any, don't have any more information than we do with what's out there, what's being reported. And you see that. I mentioned San Francisco. Look at what's going on with that, the moves in those gambling lines to where Mac Jones is now close to a $2 favorite at most shops to be the third overall pick. And Trey Lance, his price is shorter than Justin Fields to go at number three. Now, it wasn't that long ago that Justin Fields finished up his, I believe, his second pro day in Columbus, and Fields was about a minus $1.50 favorite to be the third pick. Minus $1.10. You had to pony up some juice somewhere in that minus 110 all the way out to minus 150 neighborhood, I think some shops were at, on Justin Fields going third overall. So that is, again, the point I want to make about the volatility in the marketplace with these betting numbers. And that the books, more often than not, are just reacting to the latest piece of news. But that doesn't mean that the latest piece of news is always going to be the correct piece of news. Now we're all expecting it to be Mac Jones at number three. Like I said, I think the 49ers have done a pretty good job putting out a little bit of a smokescreen. So, again, when it comes to a gambling standpoint, I think more often than not, you want to take some flyers, take some long shots, take some guys to go at certain picks at 3-1, to 4-1, to 5-1. to one. Certain props that you can have a little fun with. This is not like betting an NFL game against a spread. Where there isn't, I don't think there's one pick where we can assign a minus $1.10 value to one player and a minus $1.10 value to another player and we know it's going to be one of those two players. So, for that reason, I think the volatility makes it harder for the books to put accurate numbers up, which means that more often than not, my preference is to say, okay, this guy's 10 to 1 right now to go to a certain team, or at this pick, this team is 5 to 1 to take a receiver, and they're minus 150 to take an offensive tackle. When I'm in those kinds of dilemmas, when I'm trying to put a bet down on the NFL draft, I'm always going to defer to the plus price. Because I'm willing to bet that on more of these props, where you do have to lay some juice, that the books are going to be wrong more than they're right. And again, it's something we talk about when we handicap baseball on this podcast. When you bet an underdog in baseball or in hockey, the sports that are just more conducive to betting the money line, you don't have to go 55%, 54% to be profitable, whatever, like we always strive for when we bet that standard juice against the spread. 
You can make a little more bang for your buck with the underdogs and therefore reduce the necessary win win rate to be profitable. I think the same kind of mindset applies to the NFL draft. Take some flyers. I know that the news might drive you a certain way, and therefore, you know, if you wanted to take a J.C. Horn to be picked over Patrick Sertan, well, that doesn't necessarily, there might not be a nugget or a piece of news that indicates that, but that's okay. A lot of this is all just comes down to preference within these war rooms. Last year, Andrew Thomas is the first tackle off the board. And he was kind of considered the fourth tackle in that draft last year. And the Giants take him at number four. I believe he was like nine to one, ten to one to be the first tackle selected. And obviously it worked out for the eventual Super Bowl champions. They get Tristan Wirfs do the Bucks out of Iowa. He's the fourth tackle off the board. And then we see Jedrick Wills and Mackay Beckton go back-to-back at 10-11. But nobody was saying that it was going to be Andrew Thomas for the Giants at number four. And so I think the idea of taking some flyers, taking some long shots, is what I want to get at when it comes to having some fun with the NFL draft. And so, because of all of that unknown that I've spent the first 10 minutes or so talking about here, I don't have a ton of bets to give out, but I do have two of these long shot flyer type bets that I have placed. This is sprinkles, but like I said, we don't have a ton of picks on the pod today. But that doesn't mean... I wanted to give you something. Something that I am going to have a vested interest in come Thursday night for the first round. I'm sure once the first round goes, I'll take a look at what options I have available and invest accordingly for rounds two and three on Friday. But just a couple of sprinkles that I am interested in for Thursday night. First one involves a quarterback, and it's Justin Fields. Maybe I am a little guilty of getting suckered into the latest report that it is more than likely Mac Jones at number three. But if that's the case, then I think the door opens for Justin Fields to slide a little bit. Because if you look at Atlanta at number four... A quarterback isn't out of the question there, like I said with the new coach coming in and Arthur Smith. But, and now there's stuff going on about Julio possibly being traded. So again, if you believe that, then, you know, you could look at that one of two ways. You could say, okay, they're going to end up taking a quarterback because they're moving on, changing of the guard there in Atlanta, right? They're, they're going to start getting younger and turning the page as an organization? Or is it just a matter of a guy, you know, who just turned 32, who's in the twilight of his career, and you've got Kyle Pitts sitting there, who you could take whether you have Julio or not, but you just want to get a younger weapon for Matt Ryan, and in the process turn things over and help the football team elsewhere via Julio Jones trade. So it depends on how you interpret that nugget. 
But anyway, I do think that it will be Kyle Pitts to Atlanta at number four. Which then means that I think that Justin Fields could slide. And once you start looking at the... This is where I think it gets very interesting with the two quarterbacks that are left out of the five in the first round. Assuming it's Mac Jones at number three to San Francisco, then you have Lance, Trey Lance, out of North Dakota State, and you have Justin Fields. And really, the only team that we look at elsewhere in the top ten and say they are a lock to take a quarterback or we would assume the closest thing to a lock. There really aren't many locks once you get past number two in this draft. But the closest thing would be the Denver Broncos. And they're sitting there at number nine. There's been some Micah Parsons talk for them. But I think that Fields could continue to slide. Again, this is solely based on a long shot price type deal. And I'm betting on the pick for Denver, if it is a quarterback, being Trey Lance. And Fields getting into the double digits. And at that point, I think you might see a team make a move. A lot of people are going to look at New England at 15 and say that it should be the Patriots that look to move up to perhaps get fields or whatever. There's, I think there's going to be a quarterback that gets to 10, let's say, where then all of a sudden all bets are off, right? We saw Dwayne Haskins get to 15 in 2019 as a bit of a surprise. And ironically, my bet here is to take Justin Fields to go to the Washington football team. And I got that at 12-1. to 1. And again, I'm matching the player with the team, so it doesn't have to be the 19th pick. But it is solely Fields at 12-1 to 1 to go to Washington as my first bet. And we'll certainly talk plenty of Washington football team we did in our interview with J.P. Finley. That's coming up in just a few minutes. But I want to share another fun little sprinkle that I have placed when it comes to a player prop, a player special, I think they call these, as far as what team will take the particular prospect. And I'm going to go to the Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith. And you're hearing a lot of tackles for this team and a lot of corners for this team. But this is another one where it's you're solely myself trying to connect some dots and take a flyer. And I think at 9-1, to one, Devonta Smith to the Los Angeles Chargers is an interesting bet. And here's what I'm saying. Like I said, for the Chargers, everybody's talking about tackles, right? And Justin Herbert, getting him your linchpin protection type of guy on the offensive line, right? Everybody's saying that, and it's obviously a big need for them. And then corner. In a division where you play Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey twice a year, you got to be able to defend the pass. Now, I think the way the board could play itself out would just result in the Chargers looking elsewhere. You have at number 10... Number 11 and number 12, three NFC East teams. The Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, and the Philadelphia Eagles. I think all three 
are in the cornerback market. So I do not think that either one of Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn will be available for the Chargers to select at 13. They, they would have to trade up. I think two of those three probably end up in the NFC East in those three picks. And maybe one of them goes in the top nine. But certainly Dallas at 10, I think, is eyeing up a corner. And so then you look at 13. There's Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. He's had some injury problems. I don't think it's as simple for the LA Chargers as just selecting Farley. So I think if Horn and Sertan are off the board, then that knocks corner off the board for the Chargers in the first round altogether. Then we look at tackle. Okay, that's the position everybody continues to link the Chargers to. But look at the way the board could fall there. I don't buy Jamar Chase going to Cincinnati. We'll see. But Chase is the gambling favorite to be drafted fifth overall. It's, in my opinion, it has to be Panay Sewell there. And maybe Sewell goes forward to Atlanta, too. If they're invested in getting the most out of Matt Ryan, they already have. And maybe they keep Julio. They already have Calvin Ridley. Maybe you don't need a weapon and just want to protect Ryan a little more. But nonetheless, Panay Sewell, I think, definitely goes somewhere in the top ten, probably four or five. And Carolina is a very intriguing team for me because there's a lot of different ways that the Panthers could go at number eight. They could trade, trade out of the pick and move back, I think is very possible as well. But what I'm seeing... For Carolina, if they are to stay there, is that they are going to take Rashawn Slater at number eight. And I think Philadelphia could be a sneaky spot for tackles, too. It's an aging offensive line there with the Eagles. Andre Dillard, their first-round pick from a couple of years ago, seems to have fallen out of favor. He was injured, hasn't really performed. So you have some teams in front of the Chargers that could take corners, and you have some teams in front that could take the three tackles with Elijah Vera Tucker out of... USC being the third. So I think at 13, there's a real good possibility that the Chargers get caught a little bit, where you have the top two corners and the top three tackles all off the board. And then you start looking at the Chargers wide receiver room, and you'll see that Mike Williams is projected to be a free agent at the end of the 2021 season. And with his future uncertain... I think it makes an awful lot of sense for the Chargers to say, you know what, all right, we didn't get our tackle to protect Herbert, and we didn't get our corner, so sooner or later we play in the Kansas City Chiefs division. We're going to have to, like it or not, try and beat them in a shootout. Because what did we see the Chiefs do, right? They went out and they upgraded the offensive line. They overhauled the offensive line. Three new starters in the offseason for Kansas City. What they're trying to do is plain and simple, say, all right, nobody's beaten us the way Tampa did in the Super Bowl again. Which means, if you're a Chargers team, if you're the Raiders, if you're the Broncos, you might have to be prepared. It might not sound great. It actually sounds pretty daunting. But you're going to have to get ready to go blow for blow, tit for tat, with Patrick Mahomes in that offense. And maybe one time you're going to have to beat him 38-35. And so for the Chargers, that to me, me, coupled with Mike Williams' uncertain future there, that means Devonta Smith at 9-1 to is worth a look. Maybe it's as simple as then they get one of the tackles or they get a corner. But I think there's a lot of value sometimes in just trying to zig when everybody else zags with some of these props and these teams.
particularly when you get outside the top 10, as I am doing here with the LA Chargers and the Washington football team. Justin Fields at 12 to 1 to Washington. Devontae Smith at 9 to 1 to the LA Chargers. Those are my two little fun props for the first round of the NFL draft. So without further ado, let's get into our interview now with JP Finley, the afternoon host. Hey, <laughs> missed up his pronunciation. Apologies. Uh, but nonetheless, we had a little fun with it. JP Finley from 1067 The Fan in Washington, D.C., the midday host, up next on Full Slate. He is the midday host at 1067 The Fan in Washington, D.C. J.P. Finlay is his name. He joins us here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast, as we continue to talk some NFL draft. J.P., thanks a lot for joining us. How you doing on this Monday evening? I'm good, dude, but I'm going to call Kevin and tell him you got to figure out how to pronounce my last name. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll start over. <laughs> no, I'm just – no, you're good. <laughs> well, how you don't need to start him. Uh, it's, it's it's Finley, like like it was with an E. Okay, all right. Well, with an a. I, I can't imagine I'm the first one to screw that that up, am I? You you are not. I get that all the time. Not a big okay. deal, dude. I was just messing around. Okay, fair enough. No, that was one. It's funny. Uh, I work a radio job out here in small town Minnesota, and I often have to ask about names, and and yours was one that I didn't even think to ask about because I figured it would be pretty straightforward. So again, all my good, apologies, <laughs> dude. Just messing around, not a big. But deal. anyway, speaking of messing around, uh, I know uh, Alex is in our listening area, in your listening area, excuse me, our producer in the uh, DMV, and uh, he says that it's been a fun little talking point on the airwaves, little medical procedure for you in a certain area. Just Tell me how you're feeling. How was it? Uh, I'm okay, dude. It was um, like the first day is quite tender, but it's if, if anybody's considering, anybody that's listening to the podcast is considering a trip to V-Town, it's not nearly, it's, it's way more of a mental hurdle than the physical hurdle. Like, I mean, I got it Friday. We're recording this on Monday. Um, physically, I'm okay. I got to lay low. Like, I can't like, exercise or play golf or anything for a week, but it, it, it's not a big deal. I, it, you got to wear loose fitting clothing. So keep that in mind. Well, okay. So I'm curious, you mentioned being a little uh, kind of physically drained and, and not exercising a ton. Uh, I, it brings me to another question. Like I'm getting my second COVID vaccine on Thursday and um, I've been told that there can be some drowsiness that comes with, I'm curious if you've had the the second COVID vaccine, and are there any similarities whatsoever in the symptoms? No, honestly, I mean not at all. The uh, I had way more trouble, (laughs) and trouble's relative. I mean, getting my COVID vaccine was absolutely worth it, but I had a I had a much harder day after my second COVID shot than I did after the second. So take that for what it's worth. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm hoping that. My day isn't too bad on Thursday. I do want to ask you, too, uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this week's NFL draft, I mentioned it uh, before we jumped on here. I grew up in southern New Jersey, about 15 miles east of Philadelphia, big Philly sports fan, so I remember your co-host very well returning kicks for the Eagles. I was eight years old watching him return the opening kickoff in the 2002 NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay, the last game at Veterans Stadium, and uh, it looked like the Eagles were headed to the Super Bowl, and I think everybody knows what happened after that with Rondé Barber turning the lights out at the Vet. But tell me what it's like working with Brian Mitchell. He's a man, dude. I mean, we've worked together for a long time at NBC and have been friends for 
you know, close to 10 years. So he's intense and, you know, a little wild, but I kind of am too. It, it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. He, uh, what people don't know about B Mitch is that he's like incredibly generous and kind of warm hearted. Now, if you mess with him or make him mad, he has a temper and he will come at you. But like, if you're just his friend or, or, or like the guys we work with, like the, the producers and stuff, like he's so good to those dudes and, and always happy to, you know, buy dinner or uh, order food or, or whatever it is. So I got to ask you, does he still have a soft spot for us Philly fans or you guys fully converted him to us, us as the dark side now? <laughs> no, nah, he loves Philly. I, I've been in Philly with him. He and I had worked a, I don't know if it was a Monday night game or a regular Sunday game, but he and I were up there and worked this uh, then Skins Eagles game. And uh, it was funny. He drove to the game and they saw the tags were Virginia tags and, you know, <laughs> Eagles fans doing their thing. When we pulled in the parking lot, they're all like, oh, Virginia. And they were like fully prepared to kind of give us a hard time. And then I got out of the car first and I'm wearing a suit and they're just like booing me. And then B Mitch gets out of the car and they're like, Oh, it's B Mitch, it's B Mitch, it's B Mitch. And Eagles fans love him. He loves Philly. I mean, dude, he kind of has like a Philly mindset, like produce or, or you're going to get, you know, produce or you're going to hear it. And that's kind of how he is too. Well, I'm glad that you guys are having fun there, uh, down there in the nation's capital at 1067 the fan. Uh, and we do want to appreciate. Uh, you for giving us a few minutes. Let's uh, get into some of the nuts and bolts now of this weekend's NFL draft. Obviously, uh, the first two picks look pretty locked in here with Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville and Zach Wilson to the New York Jets. So really, I think the draft starts at three and probably four because we know that San Francisco is going to take a quarterback and there's more intrigue with where Atlanta goes. Do they look at a quarterback for the heir apparent to Matt Ryan or do they look for some more immediate help? But let's just first talk about San Francisco at number three. Uh, certainly looks like the momentum is heading in the direction of Mac Jones or, or Trey Lance and Justin Fields is dipping a little bit. What do you see happening at number three? I don't know, man. I have a tough time seeing Mac Jones be the third overall pick and Sam Fran traded up three first rounders to get him. I just have a tough time with that. Um, I think I, if it was me, I'd probably take Fields, but if I didn't take Fields, I'd take Lance. And the fact that they're so far, at least, are keeping Jimmy G makes me believe they're taking Fields because the advantage of Mac Jones is he's ready to play day one. Right. Like, like his, his understanding of the systems and conceptually, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a rookie is what they're saying. So why would you keep Garoppolo? But if you're taking Lance, I understand why you're taking Garoppolo because Trey Lance probably, I mean, it'd probably be best for him if he doesn't play this year. I mean, that dude has played, I, I, yeah. I think he has, he has 300, 320 or something career college dropbacks. Like that's just not enough work. Um, right. Yeah, because so, he was a he was a redshirt freshman as a starter when he first got to NDSU, and then last year in the fall would have been it would have been his redshirt sophomore season, but the FCS played in the spring, and so and he opted out of the spring season. So that is a very interesting point about how that'll impact his stock, if at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. 
I just – I don't know. I have a hard time believing they went all the way up there for Mac Jones. Maybe they did. Um, but I think it'll be Lance and then I, – I don't know what Atlanta's going to do. If it was well, me, that's interesting, I, though. One last point on San Francisco. You mentioned Fields. Like, for we're a gambling podcast. He's drifted out for the gambling odds to be the third pick at, like, three and a half, four to one. It sounds like you still think you might sprinkle a little bit there. Yeah, I just think he's good, dude. Like, yeah. what what I always remind myself of the draft, and, you know, I've been covering the NFL for 10 years or whatever. Like, try to take your brain back to the first week of January. And whatever you thought then is probably way closer to correct than whatever you think during draft week after hearing just four months of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and, I mean, if somebody in January had said they were going to take Mac Jones over Justin Fields, you'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, so that's a good I, point. I just try to remind myself of that. Yeah, and, gosh, doesn't um, it feel like that Clemson game was like three years ago now? Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so then you, we kind of talked a little bit about it, Atlanta at four. Uh, whatever quarterback comes off at three, Atlanta really holds a lot of the keys to the first round as far as what's going on in their war room philosophically. Obviously a new head coach, which is something I like to think about when it comes to coaching changes. Do they like to come in and get their quarterback as well? Uh, but what do you think? kind of the, the, the philosophy there is going to be with Atlanta? Do we try and milk the last couple of years that we can out of Ryan and go with Kyle Pitts or, or somebody else that can provide immediate help or another quarterback? Don't know. And I think ownership's going to be very involved in that selection. Sure. I mean, I mean Matt Ryan, they're talking about trying to trade Julio now. Like these yeah. are institutions in Atlanta. And if they're really going to tear it down and rebuild – you got to have ownership sold on that. And not to mention, I mean, between Ryan and Julio is probably 50 million bucks of, in costs. So, like, ownership's going to be involved in, in that level of decision anyway. Right. Um, so, I, I don't know that answer, honestly. I, don't, I think – I don't know that anybody outside of maybe, like, Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank and uh, Terry Fontenot really know that answer. Sure, right. Um, so as far as the rest of the top 10, maybe it is Atlanta because you just hinted at a lot of intrigue there with them at number four, but I'm kind of looking at Carolina as being another team that's tricky to project because we know that they were looking at quarterbacks pretty heavily before acquiring Sam Darnold. And the question that I would pose is, and it's been still kicked around on, on some of the shows as well. If the quarterback that they liked before getting Darnold is still sitting there would it be something they would entertain? Offensive line is something that they could certainly use to upgrade with, uh, obviously, a lot of weapons. And we know that Darnold was never really protected that well in New York. So they're a, kind of a team for me that's kind of tricky to project. I know you guys have Marty Herney there in Washington now, so it's a new general manager for the Panthers. Where else for you, though, in the top ten uh, do you think we might see a little bit of a curveball? I mean, that's the thing with the draft is nobody knows. It's the most unpredictable thing I mean, dude, we're only, what, three or four years, probably four years removed from Laramie Tunsil's gas mask? Like, <laughs> nobody knows what the hell's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think I think Falcons, Lions a little bit, but they just took on Jerry Goss' contract, so I don't think that's as QB-ish as, as people say. Yeah. Um, Panthers, but they just traded for Darnold. Uh, Broncos, maybe? I think – 
Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, kind of that NFC East run there. I don't, I don't think there's a quarterback going there. Um, how about Miami at six? Not for a quarterback, but just as far as where they go. I mean, I think Chase would obviously be the, the natural fit there, but what do you think happens there at number six? I mean, you got to, I, if Kyle Pitts is there, I'd take Pitts over anybody. Um, if, if Pitts doesn't go, like if, you know, say Atlanta takes Sewell or, you know what I mean? They take, they take a quarterback and then somebody wants the best left tackle and Pitts, Pitts to me, the only person I draft ahead of him is Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like Jamar Chase. My, for those top three receivers, I'd go Chase, Waddle, and then Smith. Um, but the, I mean, who knows, dude? Like, it, I I think it'll go three quarterbacks: Pitts, Sewell, Chase. Yeah, that's what and, I and think. That's but the other thing. I, I don't know. Sewell, like, I, I guess is it just Burrow like wanting Chase there in Cincinnati because Sewell just feels like so easy for them that that should be one that most of us can figure out, but it sounds like there's a lot of buzz around Chase maybe going to the Bengals. Yeah, unless Sewell goes four. Like, right. Dude, nobody knows. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you then uh, about maybe a team that I would like to think you know a little more about, and that's the team in the nation's capital, the Washington football team. Uh, before we get specifically into the teams and, and Washington there at 19, just tell me a little bit about what you guys are talking about, what's on the airwaves, uh, down there at the fan, and as far as the power structure, a lot of new faces in that front office. Chris Polian, uh, Martin Mayhew, did I say that right? And Mar- Marty Herney? I mean, isn't Martin Mayhew a pretty easy name to pronounce? <laughs> well, I thought your name was easy to pronounce, and <laughs> I got that um, one wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, it's certainly a new power structure, but uh, Ron's in charge. I mean, all these dudes have fancy titles and all sorts of. Uh, you know, capitalized letters in their titles, but it, it's Ron's show. So they're all reporting up to Rivera. Um, you know, I, I think Eric Stokes has been heavily involved, but setting the draft board is Tim Gribble is their top college scout. And he's done a good job. Um, Herney Mayhew. I mean, all those dudes are involved, but the, the key for everyone to remember is that it's, it's Rivera's show by, by, by and far, by a wide margin. Yeah, and just tell me kind of your level of confidence and what the fans feel about it being Riverboat's Ron's show the whole way and just as far as the direction of the franchise. Are a lot of people kind of on board with where they're headed with with that power structure laid out, as you just said? Yeah, I think fans are into it. Um, you know, I mean, they they went from 3-13 and 13 to 7-9, and nine and they won the division, so I, I think that gives Ron plenty of wiggle room. Um but like anything in sports, that you know, you got to win. So we'll see, kind of see how it goes. As far as their offseason so far, um, Curtis Samuel comes in, William Jackson, Ryan Fitzpatrick. What do you make of what they've done so far in, in free agency, and how do you think it sets them up for the draft this weekend? Um, I think it takes them off the, off the hook to kind of need a receiver at 19. Um, that said, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, if Devontae Smith or somebody fall, like, if something crazy happens, I don't think they would not do it. But uh, the need at wideout is, is kind of removed. They still 
they need help on the line and they need help at linebacker. And I think those will be the things they kind of address early on. So it's funny you mentioned uh, linebacker and offensive line. Um, I, I suppose then it, it would be a pretty easy pick for them if Micah Parsons were to slide there at 19. I mean, I don't know how easy that is. seems like there's lots of questions about Micah. The character, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never met him. <laughs> I don't. It's tough to speak on stuff like that, but um, it just it seems like there's plenty of smoke there. But who knows? I, uh, I've heard that he could make a ton of sense for the Broncos at nine. So right, right. So what what's your sense about where they go for? Because the draft obviously is where we can see we've obviously seen a big move from San Francisco, despite Jimmy Garoppolo being on the roster. We know that Fitzpatrick is who he is. He's just kind of a stopgap veteran option. What's your sense about where they go with quarterback? Do you think that they might look if somebody slides? Could they be a surprising team Thursday night and try and get that fifth of the five quarterbacks if he slides? Or like, Tell me what you think their quarterback plan is this weekend. Kind of think they're going to wait and try to get one of these big name veterans next year. Honestly, um, I, I think if you look ahead, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, okay. who knows what else will happen. I, I think that's how they'll go. That doesn't mean that's what'll happen, and, and a lot of different things could change. But that is what I, I don't think. I mean, maybe they draft somebody, but I think they go with the guys they have, unless something crazy happens and Justin Fields is there at 19 or something. Right. So I guess from what you just described sounds a lot like kind of what the Bucks did where they built up their roster, had a lot of weapons and their defense obviously had a lot of playmakers on the front seven. And then Tom Brady happens to hit the market and they sign him. I would imagine from what you were describing there that your thought would be that Washington maybe looks down a similar path with any veterans that might hit the market next year then. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, because if you just look at the team they're building, I <laughs> I don't think Washington will look that much different than Tampa did last year before Tom signed there, where there's a good defense, there's good skill position guys, and you're a quarterback away. And if you're a veteran quarterback, right? and some of it will it will be different depending on if it's free agency or if it is, um, you know, a trade or whatever, but I think Washington becomes pretty appealing. Can I ask what you were hearing about earlier in the offseason? I know obviously these quarterbacks have been moved, but whether it's a Darnold or a Matthew Stafford, like how aggressive were they there? They they were very much in on Stafford, not interested in Darnold. Okay, gotcha. Uh, lastly, as we're on the way out here with J.P. Finley, the midday host at 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C., let's just put a button on the NFL draft conversation, uh, whether it's a prospect or a team, what headline do you think is the most intriguing? What what are you most excited to see play out on Thursday and, and maybe the whole weekend? Most interesting thing for the whole weekend or, or for Washington specifically? Sorry. For the whole league-wide. Oh, dude, uh, what happens at three? Right. I think – I mean, is Mac Jones really going to be the third overall pick? <laughs> I think that's fascinating. I, I'm – I, I don't think I am, man. <laughs> Maybe okay. I'll be proved wrong. Um, and, dude, at this point, it seems like, it, you know, it's, it's at least a coin flip and maybe more than that that he is the pick. 
Um, I'm curious where a running back goes because I think Najee Harris is really good. I think Travis Etienne is really good. Sure. Um, I'm Josh, curious. Like every in the country has Najee Harris going to the Steelers. See, I thought he might go 18 to the Dolphins, but uh, sure. yeah, I think. I, it's an interesting draft because you don't have a ton of pass rushers, and usually they occupy so much space. Um, there's barely any safeties. They usually, especially early on, um, like kind of devalued positions are where there's depth at wide receiver and linebacker. So it's interesting if people start reaching. I'm curious about like the next tier of quarterbacks with the Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond kind of you know group. Um, I don't know. It's a draft. I, I love it. I can't wait for it right, every year. Right. So it's it's one of those things where I'm excited for all of it, but I'm really curious about where Micah Parsons ends up. But uh, to me, I mean, it, it all starts at number three. And I kind of think that's how Kyle Shanahan likes it, is that I imagine he and John Lynch are thrilled that we're this far in. I mean, because they made that trade probably over a month ago now. And Nobody knows who they're taking, and I think they love that. Well, it kind of reminds you of, what was it, Cleveland three years ago, where it kind of felt like everybody – it got out like a couple days before that it might be Mayfield, but I think there were a lot of people that still thought it was Darnold, and it ended up being Mayfield. So um, Yeah, and I think with that – I mean, didn't Cleveland have like one and four in that draft, and people were – Right, and they took Denzel Ward. They took Denzel Ward, yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. Last thing, by the way, you mentioned that second tier of quarterbacks. Is there any talk there in D.C. that that might be a route Washington travels down on Friday? Yeah, for sure. I could see that. Um, I, I, like, not that I expect it, but I maybe I almost do expect it. I, I certainly won't be surprised. The, the interesting thing is that they have three quarterbacks on the roster. So they have – sure a veteran and two young guys and they gave Taylor Heineke. I mean, it's peanuts to an NFL franchise, but they gave him, they guaranteed a million bucks. So that's not nothing. And, you know, they, they've loved Kyle Allen for a long time. He's been with Scott Turner and Ron Rivera for three or four years. So it's hard to, you know, that, that kind of gives me some pause that they're because they're not going to keep four quarterbacks. If they draft somebody, they're going to have to cut. Right. Pro- probably Kyle. I, I don't know. So that that's the one thing that I think is going a little under the radar is everybody tries to put Washington in with a quarterback, and that's more and more why I think they're going to address it next year. But if they love a guy, if if they love Mac Jones and he's there at 19, which I don't think is that crazy. If, if Jones doesn't go three, where is he definitely going? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, I mean, is, is Denver definitely taking him? Well, and, and that's the other thing you meant. We've talked a lot about Washington, but a lot of people, I feel like, just want to keep pegging New England in for a quarterback, and I don't know that that's a lock either. Yeah. Dude, anybody that thinks they know what – anybody that thinks they know what Belichick's doing is completely <laughs> full of it. Yeah, who would have seen that spending spree in free agency? The first day, he's just throwing money at everybody. Yeah, totally. So there he is, J.P. Finley, the midday host at 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C. J.P., thanks a lot for your time. Would love to cross paths again, and if we do, I guarantee you, I'll never mispronounce your name again. (laughs) All good, man. Just messing around. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks a lot. Take care. Okay. Take care, dude. So there he is, J.P. Finley, the midday host at 106.7 The Fan down there in Washington, D.C., 
kind enough to give us some time to talk a little bit about the Washington football team's offseason and where they might be headed when it comes to the draft. Obviously, quarterback continues to be a looming question for them. But, hey, maybe they do opt to go that Tampa Bay route and build up the roster a little bit more this year. They made the playoffs last year anyway, uh, and I would think they'll be right there to make the playoffs again this year in a bad NFC East. And who knows? Somebody hits the market, and there's a veteran out there that all of a sudden sees Washington as a good destination next spring, much the same way Tom Brady did last year going to Tampa Bay. That'll wrap things up for us here on Full Slate. As I said, thanks again to J.P. Finley there from 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and my picks at Undercover Greg on Twitter. We'll be joined by my guy Big Ragu, a good horse racing handicapper on gambling Twitter, as he'll join us later in the week. That's right, the Kentucky Derby is right around the corner. The run for the Roses back in its normal first Saturday in May slot at Churchill Downs on Saturday. We'll run through the horse race in our next episode later in the week here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.